and welcome to Out of Touch, Season 1, Episode 1. My name is Karina, and today I'm going to dive into my relationship with technology. I initially wanted to start this podcast by explaining a game I played with my friends a few weeks ago, but then this happened, and so I thought I'd actually begin by explaining how I managed to produce this episode, because I think it'll really show a lot about how I work with technology. So first and foremost, I had this whole episode ready about five days ago. I recorded it, edited it, and was so ready to publish it, but somewhere along the way, I lost the whole thing. Which, like, I still don't know how I got there, but I did. And I'll try to explain how it happened, but again, not 100% sure. So I'm going to start with how I was speaking. I'm doing this all in one cut because I don't really know how to edit edit. So what this means for you is that you'll hear every awkward pause, click, and water break. So I apologize. Now, after I spoke for almost an hour, I began to edit my way, which means I have the audio. Now I put music at the beginning and at the end of the audio and huzzah, an episode. I'm using this software called Audacity because it's free and it took me like, okay, I want to say it took me an hour, but it took me way longer to figure out, I don't know, how anything works, Uh, but I was ready to submit it to the outside world after like I finally figured out kind of what I was supposed to be doing. So after I was at that step, I went into Anchor, which is what I'm using as a medium for Spotify, and Anchor, Anchor, oh my god, Anchor, Anchor. The more you say a word, the more it sounds like it's made up. Anyway, Anchor wouldn't take the audio as it was, and so it said that I had to convert it. So I looked up how to convert it online, and as I'm doing that, I noticed like a new folder on my screen that I think came from Audacity, and I clicked on it and didn't really see anything that mattered, so I was like, I'll just like delete this. So I threw it in the trash, and after that, my audio was absolutely gone. And not only like gone, and I don't want to say gone from, like, that file, because I thought that file was something else, but, like, gone from, like, the application, like, the software itself. So then I was like, well, you know, whatever I just deleted, you know, and put in the trash, like, you can revive things from the trash. So I brought the file back to life, and Audacity was still not having it. The software said that they lost, like, the whole thing, that it was, like, completely unretrievable, And the only thing they, like, could do was insert silence where they had lost the audio. And that's the whole thing. So that would be, like, an hour of, like, silence. And definitely not, don't want to do that. So at the end of this all, I was very angry because I was very excited to come out with this experimental episode. And it just went downhill so quickly. But at the same time, I had to laugh because I feel like that's an excellent description of how I work with technology. So you've got the I can do this even though I've never done this before from downloading software or maybe it's an application, I think I keep going back and forth, uh, to figuring out how to edit on software with absolutely no instructions, to looking up how to convert convert files online, to ultimately having everything be lost. And what to me is the most interesting thing about this whole experience is that I would expect this process to come out of my parents, for example. Not a 22-year-old who would say she is well-versed or almost well-versed in the world of technology. 
Yet, despite being a part of Gen Z, I don't feel like I have confidence in my ability to use technology when compared to like a lot of my other peers. And I find myself frequently shying away from it, mainly because I don't understand either new components or even old ones for that matter. So a really good example that I have thought about recently, and this was has like a result of like me going to a restaurant, was the introduction of QR codes. So I feel like I've seen QR codes when I was in college, and I would like see them at like events or at venues or things like that, and the QR codes would always have the text scan me, but I literally never knew how to scan a QR code, nor do I still know what the Q and R mean in QR code. It took me, the pandemic, to figure out how to use one. And so this is, this is what happened. I arrived at a restaurant with my parents. We sat down at a table, and rather than being given a good old-fashioned physical menu, there was just a QR code taped to the table. And for me, looking at that QR code was like trying to figure out a problem. I wondered if I had to unlock my phone and hold it over the code, or did I have to use like an application, or was it my, my phone camera? Like there's just so many things that like scan me would mean, and like how am I supposed to know which one is like the correct thing? In the end, I figured out that I had to hold my phone camera over the code and a link to the menu would pop up, which I would then click to obtain the menu. Which I feel like, okay, first of all, there's like so many steps in that alone, but maybe also like I'm thinking of the older generation, so like my grandma, for example, but I wonder like what would have happened if I didn't have my phone and also cellular data, which I learned that I needed in order to see the menu. But I think of, again, my grandma who still has a flip phone. What would she have done in this situation? Now, I'm sure that some or even all of these restaurants like might still have paper menus. They just like don't put them out just to be on the safe side. But I'm just thinking of like the QR code like as an example of technology and of something that I didn't necessarily understand. But I also just think it's interesting how far we've gone. So like we've gone to this point where we can use QR codes as like an adaptable way to like see menus, for example. Or I'm sure QR codes are used for other things, but that's the only one I can think of at the moment. Regardless, I applaud myself for using my deductive skills and figuring out how to use a QR code. What I realized from that experience, as well as many others, is that using technology is a continual learning process, and it definitely doesn't come easy to everyone. I have learned to embrace technology by, for example, clicking around on my computer to figure out how things work which is like great. And I feel like that's like what a lot of people who are super concerned with using technology should do. But at the same time, even though I say that I have learned to embrace technology, I still struggle to understand very basic components. And I definitely still don't feel comfortable utilizing certain aspects of of technology. And I'm going to explain this, this logic of like how my brain works in a weird way roundabout way because I think that this is something that a lot of people do but the way that I do it is very different and so what I'm going to use as the example is the idea of like copying pasting and cutting on like a a word document or a google document for example so I would say that most people my age 
know that, first of all, you use the cursor to highlight what you want to copy, paste, or cut. And the most basic way to then copy, paste, or cut is like you press down on the command key and then whatever key is necessary for that specific action. So in order to copy, for example, you would hit the command key and then the C key. For pasting, it's the command key and the V key. And then for cutting, it's the command key and the X key, which seems really easy, right? Like, you know, you skip like a whole bunch of other steps by just having to use like two keys on your keyboard. But that's something that I do not do whatsoever. Like I just, every time I think about the keys, I get so confused. Like I wind up not remembering what key I'm supposed to press for those three things. And it frustrates me like so much. So I find myself thinking that in order to cut a part of a document, I, I click command and then the C key. But copy also begins with C. So then I wonder which one it is, if it's cut or copy. And don't even get me started on pasting. Like, why is it the letter V? Like, how am I supposed to be like, yeah, P and V sound exactly alike, so therefore I will use that. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no way for me to remember that. And so I, I like most definitely don't. Or if I really do need to use that method, I will have to look it up uh, online because sometimes I'll be in a document and it says the only way for you to copy, cut, and paste is to use the keys. And the, it'll show me the keys, but I still won't remember. So instead of doing that, I revert to what I know best and to what I am more comfortable doing. So I go up to the top of a document. I click edit. Then I find my three options and I choose which one I want. Is that slower? Probably, but only by like a couple of seconds, I think. Do I feel more comfortable doing it? Yeah, I absolutely feel more comfortable with going up to the top of the document and clicking edit instead of using my keyboard um, and picking the options instead. And so this, this makes me wonder, is this how older generations feel when they use technology? that it makes them uncomfortable or that it's new to them and that they don't want to explore or use something that they don't have the confidence to deal with. Or on a similar like kind of vibe, is it the fact that I guess younger generations kind of like keep an eye on things like this and they tend to poke fun at the older generations for not knowing how to use technology? Because I know that I've had friends who make fun of me for not knowing how to do things. And I definitely embrace it, but I also feel like that also discourages me from wanting to try anything in the future because I'm so clueless or because I don't like know things. And again, I'm speaking on my experiences and what I think, but I'm not an expert on this and I don't know what is the actual truth. I just know that this is how I feel at times and this is how I think that older people feel as well. Now, another similar and rather interesting example that I'm super excited to share because I just think this is so, so cool, is the concept of sound on a computer and also among like applications or websites as well. I recently learned that if you're watching a video on YouTube, I just, I cannot believe this, you can increase or decrease the sound on that video and that video alone. So what that means is you do not have to decrease the sound on your computer. So when I want to decrease the sound, I always will click like the sound key on my keyboard to increase or decrease. 
And realizing that the computer sound and website sound are like two different things was like a game changer for me. I do not know how to express like how absolutely mind blown I was to have found that. Like, I just think it's it's so insane. And this is like, this is where this is going to go because I think that this, this makes so much sense to me. But every, every time I play games with my friends, there's always this, this one person that starts listening to a playlist of songs on Spotify. They invite everyone to join and listen to like that playlist as well. And I even had one of my friends recently suggest that I join in on the listening party too. I think he said that because he could see that I was the only one in the group who wasn't listening. But the only reason that I like didn't was because I just like, okay, I cannot fathom how they were simultaneously listening to music, talking, and playing games. I could not understand that they could decrease the sound on the Spotify application and not necessarily on the computer itself, or even on the application we were using to play games. So when I would try this and I would be like, I'll join like the listening party, I would have like the music blasting in my ears and then also like my friends and then also like this game going. And so the way I would describe it is like when you're at a party and the music's really loud and you try to shout to your friend and you like can't really hear them. So there was just like too much sound going on at the same time. And I just was like, I, I don't understand how they would be <laughs> listening to everything. Like, how could they understand what I'm saying if the music's so loud? But then, yeah, it was it was just the fact that you could decrease the sound in the application. And and honestly, my, my life has been like smooth sailing from there. Now I'm like, oh, I will also listen to music while we play games because now I know how. But it's just like things like that that I, I find ever so often. And I just I just find it so like interesting because I had like never known something like that before. And even I've had people that are going like, how how do you not know this? And it's like, well, what one or like where on earth would I have learned this? You know what I mean? Like the only way to have found that out would be, I guess, to explore like websites and stuff like that or listening to music. Or maybe just even searching on the internet how to do this. But like never in my life would I have been like, this is something that I need to figure out. But yet there's other people my age that like automatically, it's like common sense. And I just, that's so fascinating. So now that I've explained a little bit about how I literally do not understand how to use sub technology, I, I feel like that's all like I don't understand. It's like I'm slowly learning. But I thought I'd also throw in there a weird take on smartphones. And I suppose this is a slight rant, but I also suppose this whole thing is like a slight rant slash exploration. But I think this smartphone take is like a unique thought process. So just like bear with me for the time being. For the last year or so, I've been thinking about reverting back to a flip phone. Yeah. You absolutely heard that right. I 125% said a flip phone. I currently have the iPhone SE. Uh, I think it's called the SE. I, I don't even know how I would look that up. But it's about three years old. And so there's a couple things. The first side note here is something that amazes me is just like the number of people, especially the second year that I had this phone, that like said, wow you have a really old phone, which like it, it just like, it amazes me because I personally do not think that a two-year-old's phone is old. 
you know, like two years seems like relatively young. And so people like calling me out for having an old, an old phone to me, like doesn't make any sense, but also like, okay, the rate at which companies like Apple or Android are like coming out with like new phones is also like kind of makes sense. And so like, I understand the fact that like every year I feel like there's like a new phone being introduced. And so people always want to go on that craze of having like the newest thing or the coolest thing or being a part of like the cool group or something like that. And so I kind of get why people would make fun of me for my relatively old phone. But at the same time, I would really like to just, you know, be not bothered and just like, let me live my life with my phone and you live your life with your phone and we'll just be here existing together. You know, like, why do you have to call me out on my phone? It's just, it's so unnecessary. So, okay. Every time I find myself getting a new smartphone, I find myself hating it even more. And I think it's because the newer phones for me just become more complex and contain many unnecessary components, which I'll get to in a second. But by complex, because I feel like people might laugh when they say, when you think of complex and then like an Apple, which I think Apple's supposed to be like a really easy interface and like just super nice to like navigate. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's been like a lot of things that are added that I just don't need or are highly unnecessary. But I'll, I'll get to that momentarily. The first ever iPhone I got was when I was in, I think, my senior year of high school, which also maybe that's like late for people to get like iPhones. But I would like to clarify that I had a smartphone prior to that, but it's not like a super well-known one, not like iPhone or Android. And ironically, I actually like did, I did like find that phone recently and like try to like uh, open it and stuff and explore it. And it's just super interesting to look at because it's like, I don't know, maybe like 10 years old. It's pretty old. Oh no, it wouldn't be 10 years old because I would have been, okay, well, it's really old regardless or kind of old. I think it's at least like eight years. I don't really know. Never mind. Anyway, back to this, <laughs> this iPhone. So I loved, I love that iPhone. It was simple, easy to navigate. I had whatever applications on it and it was also small and pink. This may sound strange, but almost all the phones that I've owned have been pink. So I've now committed to like this pink theme for the rest of my life. And you could argue that the phone that I currently have is not pink. It's like a rose color, but I will take the rose color as pink. I think it, I think it counts. Anyway, as I've come to realize or be suspicious of, my phone plan is like a two year contract with the fine print telling me that I can get a new phone every two years. And my phone plan used to be really great because I wouldn't have to pay for a new phone. So I would just automatically get a new one and we would just have to pay for like whatever else came with the plan or my parents would have to pay. But then Verizon was like, ho ho, you know what? Never mind, because we won't get Bunny. So like we, we take that back. And you know, like fine, whatever. But that's besides the point. There's just something always that forces me to buy a new phone. Like right on the day that I can get a new phone, lo and behold, my old one dies or glitches despite it working really well up to that point. And maybe not like the day of, but you know, around that time. So you can imagine why I would be a little suspicious. Although the last phone was kind of my fault, but also their fault because I thought there was an issue with the hardware because it would glitch and 
If it says it would glitch, then I blame that on them. And it was just acting weird. So, for some reason, <laughs> uh, I'm very much like a hands-on person. And that's not for some reason. That's not the case. But I'm, I like to, yeah, use my hands to construct things, take things apart. So I decided that I was going to take off the screen and dissect it to figure out what was wrong. And again, I have no idea uh, how to do anything. I don't know how phones work. I'm not a technology expert. So I had no idea what I was doing. The only thing that I did know is that I looked up a video on YouTube and it said that all I had to do was open up, like open up my phone and like clean whatever was on the inside. And I would actually say that like that checks out because I also did that with my computer because a lot of dust collects um, in your computer. And so I one time took off my the bottom of my computer to clean it out. Uh, <laughs> that computer also broke after that. So maybe actually that's not a good idea. But I wound up doing that to my phone. And basically there was this part on the camera. And what happened was when I was cleaning, it actually basically moved from the camera and just slid in down into like the bowels of like my phone and I couldn't get it and so I was like you know what whatever and so I like put my phone back together and it was glitching even worse and also now if I ever plug it in it only lives on one percent battery nothing more but always less so like I could charge it for an hour and it'll always remain at at one percent so, as you can tell, like, lots of problems. Again, still blaming it on Verizon for the glitchiness. And ultimately, after that, I wound up getting the SE, which, fun fact, is actually the oldest generation they had in the store. And I hope maybe you can see that connection of why I would want an older generation phone. I also liked it because of, again, the simplicity, the fact that it's smaller than the newer generations, which means that I can fit it in my pocket, and, of course, that it works. Side note here, but... Okay, the fact that, like, smartphones seem like they are growing in size is absolutely astounding. I just want something that I can, A, hold with one hand, and B, isn't, like, this big. Like, it's just this, they're always just so, these, like, big, unnecessary screens. And I, to some degree, I just don't understand the hype of, like, that. And to some degree, I do, because, like, maybe people want to watch something and they want it, like, bigger. But I just feel like there's like a lot of things that are added to smartphones that are highly unnecessary. So like, for example, like the three camera, three cameras that they now have on like an iPhone. And I'm just like, why would you like, I only need one, like one is enough. Like why, who in the right mind would be like, yeah, give me three of those. And also like, I'll pay more for that. I just, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It baffles me. And I guess that's just life. So the real, the real thing that I wanted to get down to, that is my current complaint about my iPhone, is like space. And I hope you're ready for just, just, <laughs> first of all, I hope you're ready for all of this anger that you're going to hear from me because like, this is like the one thing that makes me so mad. And I also hope you're ready for just the, all of this to blow your mind because it's definitely blown my mind as well. So my phone holds up to 16 gigabytes of storage which should be enough for me to house all the applications, photos, and texts that I have. And I think this is really interesting because when I initially got my iPhone, like I, I could choose from like 16 gigabytes, 32 gigabytes, and like, I don't know, 50. And to me, 16 gigabytes is like enough. Like I don't even feel like I utilize 16 gigabytes. I don't really need, that's like a lot of storage to me. 
And I, as I, like, thought about that, I wondered, like, what storage other people have on their phones. Because I think that 16 gigabytes is too much. But I feel like people might say that 16 gigabytes isn't enough. And I, I feel like I can think of, like, a friend of mine who one time had, like, 100 gigabytes. But it was on, like, iCloud. And I think that she said that she she needed that because she had, like, oh my god, I don't know, like, 3,000 photos. Which to me is, like, absolutely absurd. But... I don't know, people do people do whatever they want. So, you know, like I said, I would assume 16 gigabytes would be enough. You know, how's everything? But no, I am absolutely, utterly, completely wrong, okay? Right now, I'm up to about 14.6 gigabytes of capacity. So I'm like pretty limited in what I have left in regard to room. But, 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 guess what? 11.56 of that 14.6 is the system, okay? The system, which means I only have, I'm only using about three gigabytes for literally everything else. And like, that's just mind blowing to me that the system is what's causing me all of these, all of these problems. It's just, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And like, okay, so I get, and I know a lot of people would come af after me about these things, but I get that like updating your phone is like super important. And that updating applications are super important because there could be bugs or issues with the system and you want to fix it and all of that stuff. But I honestly do not care. Like, all I see when I update my phone or the applications is just storage problems. And so I would like to very much avoid that. And I actually do. I will literally... <laughs> oh my god, this is going to seem like so bad. And I, I feel like I, I just like recently had a conversation with like an Apple employee and I feel like... I'm so glad that it was through text because I think she was like, why would you do this? But I prolong updates up to a year. So I won't update my, my like software for like a year, which I get is probably bad, but I've learned that that's the right, that's the way I've learned about how long I can not update my software because like at like a year mark, basically like your, or my phone will not let me open any applications until I update them all as well which I think is super interesting, but yeah, basically like my phone will kick me out of anything that I have. So like Instagram, my mail, anything. And so, yeah, I basically like, yeah, don't, don't update it until a year mark. Gosh, I feel like I'm just, I'm just going to drink some water because I'm a little, I'm a little angry about all this. Okay. I've, I've calmed down slightly in those like five seconds. Now, Okay, no, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get angry again now that I keep thinking about it. So before I go back to the flip phone idea, I need to explain what I use on my phone so that you can continue to feel this anger. Yeah, this is where I'm gonna get mad again. So we've got the regular texting or like whatever you want to call it, like SMS, S something, something like that. I don't even want to say anything more than SMS because I feel like that's all I know. But I use regular texting to text my dad. And I would like to say two friends, okay? So that's three people total. And because Apple absolutely is the worst, or maybe this is just smartphones in general, but I'm picking on Apple because I have an iPhone. I, I can't text unless I'm connected to Wi-Fi or have cellular data. And the issue with that is that the phone plan I'm on has limited data, so I always have it off. And when I say limited, I mean that I could probably go through like uh, like the phone plan, cellular data amount in like two hours. 
So, like, that's, like, that's nothing. So I hope that would make sense of why I would have it off. I've also learned that I can't get group messages or photos unless my data is on as well, which is the worst. It's it's absolutely dumb. And what I really hate about that is, like, I, a couple months ago, was added to group chat, and I didn't get the messages until, like, a week later. And that's incredibly awkward when you have to be like, oh, by the way, didn't see this until now. Or, like, I had, like, two friends say happy, th- happy Thanksgiving. Not happy Thanksgiving. I'm thinking about Thanksgiving because it's coming up. Uh, and I'm, I was about to say Merry Christmas, too. Not Christmas. Oh, my God. <sighs> happy Halloween. They sent me cute little gifts. And I didn't get them on Halloween because I didn't have my cellular data on. And so, again, really awkward when you have to send a text back and go, like, yeah, happy Halloween, but, like, three days later. So, very angry about that. But I, I'll, I'm done with that spiel. So, since that is the worst, I've moved my texting uh, capabilities to WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. Which have worked, like, fairly well, even though technically I still need Wi-Fi and cellular data for them. But I still like them better than, like, the regular messaging method. I call my grandma, uh, sometimes my parents, and on occasion my friends. But again, I have other methods to talk to my friends or my parents. So, like, I've definitely used WhatsApp to talk to my parents and, like, Facebook Messenger to talk to my friends. And both are super friendly with doing, like, video calls as well, which is really nice. I've got the camera and the photos, and I have a total of 303 photos, which is another thing I'm super interested to know is, like, how many photos people have on their phones. So, like, I know my dad has, like, a thousand photos, and I don't even think he needs all a thousand, but I feel like 303, it, to me, it feels like a lot, but it also doesn't feel like a lot when compared to other people, so I don't know. That's just something else that I'm curious about. But usually I'll also delete those photos like once a year. And the reason that I delete them is for the room. <laughs> I'm like honestly constantly cleaning out my phone just for the room. But I think that's also absolutely absurd. My main social media apps are like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube. But I deleted Facebook recently also because of room and also because I don't feel like I really need it. But I also realized that I can use Facebook and like YouTube as well on my computer. Instagram I can also use on my computer, but you just can't, like, post things. You can only comment and like. And then Snapchat is, like, absolutely a no-go on the computer. I've got a book application that I definitely use too often. And while I could use it on the computer, I just really enjoy having, like, the small screen of my phone for that. And so, like, often I'll just, like, lie in my bed and um, read. And ironically, I also just recently, despite like using this application for a really long time, and I'm sure that they've had this for a while, but I also realized that like the application has like a night like setting. And so like basically your screen turns like dark instead of it being like this like white like color that like blinds you at night. Uh, that was like also a game changer for me. And like, I really like that, but that's, that's something else. Back on track here. I also use my notes application like way too much but I realized that if I get a flip phone I could just bring like a notepad around to like write things down and nothing really you know changes we've also got Spotify which fun fact I initially did not want or use but I've you know understood some of the benefits so I have it for now but I think that'll change in the future 
And I also have, like, CDs and an iPod, so I'm, like, you know, I can listen to music those ways, as well as, like, listening to music on YouTube, which is something that I did for, like, a little bit. And then I also have this banking application, and I would say that that's pretty essential because my bank's, like, pretty pro doing everything, like, online, and so I would, like, I would need that to, like, scan checks. But the more that I think of it, the more I, I also think that maybe I can just go to the bank and, like, deposit those checks. Anyway, those are, like factors that I've taken into consideration when thinking about a flip phone. And that brings me to Karina's three chaotic plans of action for when my current iPhone dies. Likely of not having enough storage, as you probably can already uh, come to a conclusion of. And I just, I I think that this is all going to be so chaotic. And I hope you all enjoy just the amount of like thought that I put into these three plans. Because, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just can't. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll start with these plans. So option one is that I buy a new iPhone when my current one runs out of storage. So this time I make sure that I, I have enough space. Okay. I'm definitely going to make sure that I have like at least more than 50 gigabytes of space so I can be prepared for when my phone has all of these updates. And so once I have enough space, that'll be a good benefit. And then also I'll have everything in one place. So all my applications, calling abilities, and texting, which is also really good. And so basically I'm just doing everything that I've done up to this point, which is continue to buy a smartphone. And I also know that I said a new iPhone. I could also get like an Android or some other type of smartphone, but I'm just using iPhone as an example because I feel like it's the most easy thing for me to understand, but I'm also not opposed to buying some other type of smartphone. Now, the con. to buying another iPhone is that it's going to be more expensive because it's going to be a newer version. Although you could say that I could get an older version, but I had that conversation with the people at Verizon who said that they wouldn't recommend one of the older ones because they had issues with them. So I would not do that. It's more complex and it's also annoying. And by annoying, I mean, and I'm thinking specifically of this because this also makes me really angry is okay. You know, like, the place to plug your headphones in? Like, how there's usually the jack that is separate from the place where you would charge your phone? So, I... Okay, Apple basically was like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take away the the headphone jack, and instead, we're gonna make the headphone jack be the same place where you would charge your phone. And so that's really frustrating, because then I can't listen to music and play... Or no, I can't listen to music. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no music and no charging at the same time. I can only do one or the other. And that's fine because um, Apple was like, you know what? We're going to do this and then we're going to hit you with uh, the fact that you're going to have to pay some more money to be able to have like a converter on your phone where there's like there's like the option. So they have like a... I'm sorry, I'm getting so like sidetracked here just thinking about this, but... Basically, I'm pretty sure Apple has this thing where they give you like this this thing where you put it into like the charging port and then you have like the ability either to put in your headphone jack that you would normally put in like the regular part or it just has the ability where you can charge and also listen to music at the same time. But regardless, you still have to buy that and I guarantee that's probably like, I don't know, $25, $30, something like outrageous. The other thing too that makes me mad about that is that when you get that new iPhone, they always come with like the charger and then the headphones. Although now I think they've taken out like the headphones with like the newest iPhone model. 
But what really makes me mad is, like, so now... Okay, the issue is that now that they have, like, the new... When they send you the new iPhone and you have, like, the, the headphone jack, the headphone jack will work for your phone, but it won't work for your, like, computer, for example. And so, like, again, then you need, like, that adapter so that you can do both. And I just find that highly annoying because I feel like the the headphone jack was like a universal thing in which we all agreed that this is the kind that we would use. And then Apple was like, you know what? We don't want to do that. We're going to do something else instead. And so like they got rid of it. It just, yeah, it just makes me so mad. So that's option one. But as you can tell, there's quite a lot of issues. Option two is that I buy a flip phone and an iPod touch. And I'm sure this is probably the most bizarre option, but just hear me out here. So I use the flip phone for calling and maybe texting, but you might laugh at that because you know how the texting is on like a flip phone. And I wind up using the iPod for everything else. So that way I still have a tool in like a compact place. And the benefit to the iPod is that I can still text on it. And again, I can like use every application. I just can't call. And I also don't have cellular data in case of like an emergency. And by emergency, the main thing that comes to mind is when I need to search for directions or am lost. I would like to say that doesn't happen like often, and it definitely doesn't, but I feel like that's like one of the things where I'd be in the middle of nowhere and like I would turn on my phone just to find directions. And it was like in that moment when I thought about that, that I like hesitated because I just, I can't believe how like dependent I've come to look up directions online. And I always think about what they did back when they didn't have smartphones or GPS. And to be honest, they probably just asked people, which is like something that I can do. It's not hard for me to be somewhere and ask someone for directions. Now you could say, well, Karina, what if you're like in the middle of nowhere and there's no one for miles? Well, yeah, then I might have like a problem there. But I've never been like in the middle of nowhere with nobody around and needed help. Like I've never been in that situation. And I think the odds, knock on wood, are very low for me to be in a situation like that. Also, I realized that I studied abroad for five months in Europe, and the whole time I did not have a phoneless service. So I pretty much relied on people to know where things were, as well as Wi-Fi, but also Wi-Fi in Europe is like a little less open than it is here, so I feel like there's less places to be able to connect freely. But I just feel like if I was able to survive in that situation, being like in a foreign country with like no service, then I think that I should be fine in the US with service. I think ultimately, you know, like it's it's okay. Which brings me to option three, which is just buy a flip phone and quit it with all this fancy pantsy technology stuff and just leave it at that. I was gonna stop like at three options and just say like, that's it. So we have like the iPhone, we have the flip phone with the iPod, and then we have just the flip phone. But a friend of mine recently shared a phone that she got an ad for, and she had sent it to me because she said it seemed like something that I would be interested in, and she wasn't wrong. So at first glance, I was really liking it, like it was pretty cool. And so the phone is called the Light Phone, and the idea, as it says on the website, is that a phone is a tool and it should serve you as the user, not the other way around. So it aims to distance people from the way that smartphones tend to take over our lives. And I really like that. And so I, I feel like that like my phone often controls me instead of it instead of me controlling it. 
So the phone, and I think I might be off here on describing like what it does because I'm missing a few things, but from my understanding, it has texting, calling, alarms, music, and directions. You absolutely cannot download any applications, and you also can't access the internet, which was a low blow for me, not going to lie. I tend to look up like a lot of things that are just like, I don't know, like random things from like the weather to like how to spell a word. So I was pretty disappointed about that. But it's small, it's simple, and it feels like it matches what I'm looking for in a phone. However, again, there's the internet. There's also the fact that there's only one gigabyte of data, data, which like, again, like I feel like, I still feel like that's not a lot. Um, even though I was talking earlier about how 16 was like not a lot, but one gigabyte seems like it's a little too, not just a little not enough. Also, it costs $300. So like, I, I just think that that's way too expensive for a phone. And that's even more expensive than like some of the iPhones that I could wind up buying in the future. Also, upon further research, I found like a lot of unsatisfaction in how it works, as well as some like scathing reviews about how the phone like didn't turn out, how the creators said it would. So for example, instead of it looking like a phone, it looked like a cheap piece of plastic. And then people said that there were some parts of the phone missing as well, and just a couple of things like that. I also did a little more research into this like concept phone type thing, and I found like another similar phone that I could have gotten. But I also didn't like it because it, it had, again, like, limited storage. And there were, like, a couple other issues like that that I was, like, so-so on. But ultimately, again, this was, like, something else that I was thinking of. I guess where I'm going from this is, like, the truth of the matter is that I just feel that my life is slowly revolving around technology. If I'm not on my phone, then I'm on my computer or I'm watching the TV I wake up in the morning to alarm that is on my phone. And I've thought about that because I remember when I used to actually have like a physical alarm, not something that's been on my phone. Uh, once I wake up, I immediately open up Facebook and then Instagram and then Snapchat. I check my email and then I look at the news. And just every morning I immerse myself in like the world that is like, the, well, the internet world, but it's just like not, it's not good for me. And I just don't understand why, like, I would need to wake up in the morning and go on Instagram and, like, see what everyone else is up to in the morning. Or night, depending on who I'm following. But I just don't understand why I would do that. And then also, like, why it would matter for me to look into the lives of people that I haven't talked to for, like, four years, you know? Or another thing, too, is, like, why do I have to, like, go onto YouTube and, like, watch videos upon videos for, like, hours when like none of them really like do anything for me. They don't impact my life in a positive way. And so I feel like I'm at this part of my life where I just wanna distance myself from technology. And I feel like to some degree, I probably do so a lot more than other people. So like, I definitely like, I have restrictions on my phone, for example. And so uh, I have like a restriction on social media that'll basically lock me out for like an hour. Or not, sorry, hold on, I worded that wrong. I have, okay, basically I have a restriction where I can only be on social media one hour a day, which is still a lot of time if you think about it. And my phone will lock me out for 24 hours if I exceed an hour limit, which I feel like for the most part I don't 
uh, actually exceed that limit, which is also super interesting. And I'm curious to know, like, how much time other people spend on social media. But that's just, like, one example of, like, a way in which, like, I limit myself. Or, for example, I have, like, a limit where I usually will turn my phone off after 10 p.m. so that I don't look at any notifications or texts or things like that. And so, like, after 10 p.m. is, like, me time. Usually I'll, like, read a book, um... Or, like, do something that's not on my, my phone or computer or the t- TV. Now, about half a year ago, or now that I think of it, probably a little bit more than that, I read a book called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced this author's name, but it's by Yuval Noah Harai. And the book basically is, it's kind of just what the title is, which it's just like a a brief history of, of humankind from like the day that humans were to like now, which is absolutely insane because the book is, and I have it in front of me, it's about 400 pages. So the fact that he got that much in 400 pages is pretty impressive. But there was one section that stood out to me a lot in relationship to like technology And in this section, the author talks about how in life we've had luxuries, but how luxuries have turned into necessities, and then how people have taken those luxuries for granted. And so one of, like, the examples he kind of talks about is, like, technology, for example, and how it's actually made life harder, which I initially laughed at because I feel like, you know, you could say that technology's made our lives easier in like a lot of ways. So one that I think of is like, as I'm, I'm speaking, I'm like in my room and my room is being lit up by electricity. And like electricity is like a pretty cool thing that's come into existence. And that I, I would associate that with technology. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think it's close enough. But like, you know, without that, I would be like, you know, there'd be like a candle lit right now. Um, but we kind of become really dependent on, you know, having electricity. And if like it's off, you know, I think of, how many ways in which, like, I can't do my life if I don't have electricity, you know, like, I can't, like, I don't know, cook food, or I can't access the internet, um, or I can't see in my house when it's dark. But regardless, I wanted to read this passage in this book in which he talks about technology being, like, a a luxury that's turned into a necessity that I think is just really, it's really interesting, and I've thought a lot about this passage it's a, uh, yeah, it's a little long, so I apologize, but I'm going to read it. So the author says, One of history's few iron laws is that luxuries tend to become necessities and to spawn new obligations. Once people get used to a certain luxury, they take it for granted. Then they begin to count on it. Finally, they reach a point where they can't live without it. Let's take another familiar example from our own time. Over the last few decades, we have invented countless time-saving devices that are supposed to make life more relaxed. Washing machines, vacuum cleaners, dishwashers, telephones, mobile phones, computers, email. Previously, it took a lot of work to write a letter, address and stamp an envelope, and take it to the mailbox. It took days or weeks maybe even months to get a reply. Nowadays, I can dash off an email, send it halfway across the globe, and if my address C is online, receive a reply a minute later. 
I've saved all that trouble and time, but do I live a more relaxed life? Sadly not. Back in the snail mail era, people usually only wrote letters when they had something important to relate. Rather than writing the first thing that came into their heads, they considered carefully what they wanted to say and how to phrase it. They expected to receive a similarly considered answer. Most people wrote and received no more than a handful of letters a month and seldom felt compelled to reply immediately. Today, I receive dozens of emails each day, all from people who expect a prompt reply. We thought we were saving time. Instead, we revved up the treadmill of life to 10 times its former speed and made our days more anxious and agitated. And I guess there's, there's a lot that has resonated with me in that passage. And I think like the, the main one is this idea of like sending letters and how like people would have really thoughtful replies and responses as well as like the fact that you know, you just wait and whenever it comes, it comes and you're pretty patient about that. And I think I look at that in my own life in regard to like texting. And so like, I, I often joke with my friends that it takes me three to five business days to respond to a text, which is like, honestly, it's pretty accurate. I'd say maybe it takes me like a day to two days to respond. And I think like the reason that it takes me this time, and I hope that my friends will now understand this, but I don't feel like there is a necessity for me to respond immediately, unless it's like an emergency or I'm making plans or something like that. But I feel that when I have to have that immediate response, that I have like a lot of anxiety because I have to like, first of all, come up with that quick response, but also that I will ultimately wind up going back and forth with that person texting for like quite some time. Whereas like if I wait like a little bit longer, there's just something, I don't know, that's more relaxing and calming about having it that way and something that I find kind of ironic about this and I have a good example about a friend that I text pretty often or I guess actually maybe not pretty often but it's whatever so I had a friend who I probably like I don't know half a year ago I got annoyed because he wasn't responding to my texts in a prompt and quick uh like manner which is ironic because I just said that, you know, it takes me a while to respond. And so I, he would like sometimes, I think I was mad because he would sometimes like not respond for a week and like that's frustrating, but I just would probably just need to calm down. So I wound up telling him, you know, you need to respond to my text like quicker. And he was like, oh, okay, like that's fine. And so he did for a time being. And now we've like gotten to this weird like time where I think I've just realized too, like it doesn't, that... Quickness doesn't really matter. And so I we've come to this like silent agreement. And I don't know if he's just like recognized it and like that's why we do it, or we've just noticed this pattern. But like usually like if I send a text, he won't respond to me for like twenty-four hours or like two days, and I'll have like the same thing when he responds to me, where I won't reply for like twenty-four hours to like forty-eight hours. But it's like we've gotten to the into this groove of like knowing that we're not going to have that immediate response and it's just made things more relaxing. It's also made things more rewarding because like I know that he'll give me a sincere response and like I'll also give him like a really like thorough um like reply as well. And so like ultimately like we've benefited each other by having these responses go back and forth in like a slower way. Another thing that I think of, too, in regards of, like, how we, we expect everything to be, like, quicker are notifications. I 
I mean, I know people who, like, have notifications, like, on for, like, everything, and, like, I've been with people who have, like, it ring every, like, couple seconds, and I don't understand, like, that would give me, that would just distract me, and probably also give me anxiety, but, like, I know, like, on my phone, like, I have notifications on, like, a couple things, and I, I feel like people might dislike me when I say this, but I see the notifications, so if you send me something on Snapchat, I, like, I see it. But I will not (laughs) respond for, like, a couple hours or maybe, like, I don't know, a day. And I feel like the only response for me to say again is that I don't see necessity to respond in that moment. And that it just makes, I don't know, it just, like, seems, it makes, I don't know, I'm, I'm better off when I, it takes me some more time to, like, respond. But, yeah, so I just thought that that was interesting. And on kind of the same topic as, like, luxury and how we kind of, again, like, take some things for, like, granted. Something that, like, I, or a luxury that I find truly fascinating in current times is, like, the way in which we listen to music and how that's, like, expanded just throughout life. So, in a roundabout way, I'm kind of just talking about Spotify and Apple Music and iCloud and how those are, like, really great places for music and to explore just how much is out there. But I actually came to the Spotify game late. I have always been like a a car radio and CD kind of gal. So for me, there's just so much pleasure in turning on the radio, knowing the eight or nine radio stations that I like in the Bay Area, and just like, I don't know, turning it on and listening. And there's just, there's just something so, so pleasant about that. And I think what is really interesting is the fact that people my age don't listen to the radio anymore or would say that CDs are old. I had a roommate last year who was in the car with me one day and I was playing the radio and she was like, I can't remember the last time that I ever listened to the radio, which again, like that surprised me. Or like another similar example, I was recently talking with some friends and I think like one of them had said like, I I cannot imagine like a world without Spotify or like thank god that Spotify exists and like even though I don't have like a USB cord or aux cord or whatever it is in the car like I'll still listen to Spotify in the car because there's like options and they had started off from talking about like the radio and how in central California there's not many options to listen to the radio when you're driving which I would say is true But they said that they had heard, like, the same song, like, 12 times and were, like, so done with it. And, like, you know, that's why Spotify is good, because there's so many options. But for me, like, again, I didn't really, I didn't really have Spotify. I, the first time that I actually got it, and this was premium, was when I was in my senior year of college. Which I think is, like, pretty shocking, because I feel like Spotify has been around for quite some time. But the reason that I got it was because I realized that there was so much to offer and also that I could get a student discount because it's like really cheap. And then also that you can listen to music offline. I thought that was pretty cool too. And so initially I was like, wow, like what an, what an awesome place to get music. Oh, oh, I, I also like the fact that there were no ads to some degree. But what I realized over time was like, it's like having a new toy where you get really excited initially and then after a while you're like, you know, whatever. I found myself easily being, like, overwhelmed by the amount of, like, music there was and actually just getting tired of, like, the music that I listened to. And I can even say that now. I still have Spotify because I'm still on that student discount. 
But I've listened to, like, a lot of different playlists and people and things like that, and I'm, like, still bored. So I feel like ultimately it just hasn't really, I don't know, it, like, hasn't really piqued my interest, um, just because I feel like there's so many options. And I would tie that, too, to, like, one time when I was at Target with an international student, and they went to go get shampoo, and they were, they were like, there's, there's so many choices to choose from, and they were like, I don't know, 30 or 40 shampoos. Whereas, like, in their home country, they only had, like, 10. So I guess, again, it's, like, these options. And then another kind of, like, thing... And I would say, like, okay, this is what I wanted to get get at. Spotify is a luxury. It's not a necessity. And yet I hear a lot of people say that, you know, like, I don't know, like, what my life would be like without Spotify. Because, like, I need Spotify. Or, like, it has to be a part of my life. And I just think that's super interesting that we've we've turned, like, Spotify into, like, a necessity. Or, like, another one that I would put there, too, is, like, Netflix. I don't really, honestly, like, I don't really care about Netflix. I, like, don't... I'll watch things on occasion, but I don't find any, like, interest in, like, Netflix. And it's not, like, the choices. I just, like, I don't really care for it. But I would say, like, people nowadays might argue, like, yeah, like, Netflix is a necessity. I don't see, like, what my life could have been like before that. Or... I don't see how we had as many options before that. And so, yeah, I just think it's interesting how there's just different things in technology that we've, we, I know there's some technology that you could say like we've needed or that has benefited humankind for the better, but I feel like there's also a lot of technology that's brought us back and that's really like impacted all of us in a negative way. I think social media especially is like one of those big ones. Um, But yeah, I just, I, I guess that's, I'll just leave it at that, but yeah, I, I just think it's, it's interesting. So ultimately I, I hope you're, you either found <laughs> my struggle with technology interesting or that you've learned something in general, either in the way that technology works in the way that we as humans look at it, or perhaps in the way that you've looked at, at your relationship with technology in life. And I just hope that you've come out of this with some lesson learned, some idea explored, or are just curious to know more. So yeah, this is the the end of episode one, season one of Out of Touch. And I will see you sometime in the future for the next episode.